2 Kings chapter 3, 2 Kings chapter 3, if you could turn your Bibles there, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to read that portion of scripture uh, together, and uh, we're going to believe God to, to minister and to speak his word today. I, I know we're hungry for uh, God's word, that's why you're here, so let our hearts be open as we, as we receive God's word. 2 Kings 3, 16 uh, through 19. Uh, let me just, as we prepare that, let me just uh, give you a little setup here. Um, in this passage of scripture, there was uh, the king of Israel, and there were three kings that were part of Israel, and, um, and they were serving God. They were doing what, what God had called them to do. There were some kings in that, in that aspect that um, God had to deal with, but nevertheless, they were part of Israel. And there was another king uh, from Moab. And one day he decided to rebel against uh, the king of Israel. So he declared war on, uh, on these kings. So the kings banded together, these three kings, they banded together, and they were going to go out to war against this king of Moab uh, who rebelled against them. It was uh, King Jehoshaphat, it was uh, uh, J uh, King Jerem, and... Um, it was the king of Edom as well. So they banded together to go out and fight against this other king of Moab who rebelled. So what we're looking at here is these kings were making their way to war. They were on their way and they were, uh, there was a seven day journey that they were traveling. And it was, it was not like uh, it is today, right? You go on a journey, um, you know, if you get hungry, you pull over at, uh, at Arco or Chevron or Extra Mile, you buy some snacks and some waters and you're well on your way. You, you jump into your air-conditioned vehicle and, and you're well on your way. And, and hundreds of miles is not as a, a much of a big thing as it was here. So they were out traveling for seven days, and from the, the sound of the scripture, it sounds like it was probably a, a hot time of the year. And they were starting to worry about water. Their water supply was drying up, and they came to themselves, and they said, man, has the Lord drew us out here to die here in the wilderness because we're going out to make battle against this king, but are we going to die out here? And this is where our scripture uh, picks up, 2 Kings 3, 16. This was the word of the Lord that came to them. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of trenches. For the Lord says this, you will not see wind, nor will you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water. So that you will drink, you and your livestock and your other animals. And this is an insignificant, insignificant thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites into your hand. Then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city and cut down every good tree and stop, uh, stop up all the springs of water and spoil every good plot of land with stones. I want to minister a message this morning, morning entitled, Dig the Trenches. Dig the Trenches. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we're so grateful this morning, Lord, for your spirit, God. We thank you, Lord God, for your loving kindness, my God. We thank you for your presence, God, for who you are, Lord. I pray today, my God, that you would minister to our hearts, Father God, that you would speak to us, Father God. Lord, I know uh, there are those in this place that are in the valley of decision, those that are expecting miracles, are believing for miracles, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would help us, my God, to take your word at heart, Father God, and to act 
upon your word, Father God. I pray for your strength, for your anointing, God, that you would have your way, Father God. None of me, all of you, Jesus. We just thank you, Father God. Speak your word this morning. And God's people say, amen. amen. So in this passage here, in your own time of Bible study, you could read the entire Second Kings chapter 3, but the fact is, is that these kings were on a journey. They were on a seven-day journey to accomplish what God had called them to accomplish, to, to war for Israel and to do away with this rebellious king, the king of Moab. They were on a journey. And in our lives, church, we are, are, are on a journey. In your day-to-day -day life, God has taken you someplace. You are on a journey. You've come so far, but we are not done yet. Can you say amen? We're not, we haven't crossed the finish line. God has done so much in our lives. Maybe you're at the beginning stages of God working in your life. Maybe you just recently accepted the Lord in your life and, and you're beginning to serve him and, and you look at your life and you think, man, God, you have so much work to do, God, because perhaps my upbringing or the things that I experienced, God, you have so many, there's so many issues in my heart, Lord, that, that you have to deal with. Or perhaps you've been serving God for many years and we could say that as well. God, there's still so many issues in my life, God, that I need your help with, that I need you to deal with. We are on a journey, and God is at work in our lives. As we jump back in our, our, our text here to verse 9, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. See, these, these were the three kings that were on their way to war. And they made a circuit, a circuit of seven days' journey. And there was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. Seven days. They were on their way somewhere. They, they were on their way to, to do away with this rebellious king. And believer, God has called you and I onto this journey, this Christian life that God's called us to. And it's going to be a time of, 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 of blessings. And it's going to be a time of, of high points in our lives, the mountaintops, so to speak. But there are also going to be times where we're in the valley there are going to be times where, where we feel like we're just this close to God, and there are going to be other times in our life where we may ask, Lord, where are you, as Joseph did? God, why have you forsaken me? Mountaintops, good times, and the valleys, bad times, difficult times. There's going to be times of plenty where your vats are overflowing. There's going to be times of Day-to-day -day need, God, I just I have to trust you for today to meet my need because I don't know where it's going to come from. God's called us onto a journey. See, he didn't call us to worship him just when things are going well, when uh, everything's going according to your own plan. God didn't call us to, to have faith in him when everything is going our way. God's called us to live by faith, whether things are good, whether things are bad, whether you have plenty in your bank account or whether you have a negative in your bank account. No matter what, God's called us to trust in him and to serve him and to do what he's called us to do, no matter what. And that is what it means to live by faith. Even when you don't feel like it. When you don't feel like getting up and coming to church. Perhaps things are going, there's, there's so much craziness in your life. And why go to church, you may ask yourself. But those are the times, believer, brother and sister, that you have to do whatever it takes to step through these doors right here. You have to do whatever it takes. Whatever else you have to put on hold for that time. You got to get through the doors. You got to get into the house of God. It's part of God working in our lives. We have to show up. See, God has not called us to remain where he found us, but to constantly move 
forward. We're on a journey. God is moving. He's constantly taking us places. You know, I, I was looking in the book of Matthew, and I was looking at Jesus's uh, uh, just a few scriptures of his life, and his ministry was so profound, and all the things that he did there as we look at the Gospels. But I was thinking about how the Bible's talking about him moving and going places and doing things, and it's, it's such an, uh, uh, an example for us to follow. Like, Matthew 3.13, Jesus arrived from Galilee. Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Matthew 4.18, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee where he called Simon Peter and Andrew his brother. Matthew 4.23, Jesus was going throughout Galilee teaching in the synagogues. Uh, Matthew 5.1, he went up to the mountain. Matthew 8.5, he entered Capernaum. Matthew 8.14, Jesus went to Peter's home to visit Peter's mother-in-law. How many know Peter had a mother-in-law? Matthew 9.1, Jesus got out into the boat and crossed over to the sea and came to his own city. Matthew 9.10, Jesus was at the tax collector's house. And on and on and on. And what was he doing? He was sharing the good news. He was sharing the gospel. See, there was a time where he was in the synagogues, and it's so important, church, for you and I to, to come into the house of God, to worship God, to be with the body of believers, to fellowship, and to strengthen one another. There's a time for that, and that's necessary, and we can never overlook that, but that is not all where our Christianity is confined to. It's just not here in these four walls. See, right here, you're surrounded by many lights, right? God called us to be the light of the world, and you're surrounded we're all, most of us are believers here. Some are still yet to make that decision, but we believe in Christ, right? But what about when you're at your workplace or there you're in your neighborhood or at your, at your place or you're with your, you're with your family? There are many that are yet to know Jesus Christ, and that's the powerful place that we have to be a light in this dark world. And the majority of the things I just listed, Jesus was going here, and he, he, was, he was out and about doing the work of God. Ask yourself, is your Christianity and your Christian service, is it just confined to these four walls? If that's the case, that's not how it should be. It should be within these four walls and, 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 and this ministry and all that we do, praise God for that. But it should also be when you're out and about throughout your day. Listen to the, to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit to, to talk to that person or perhaps there's someone uh, that you minister to or you, you haven't seen for a while, pick up the phone and call them, encourage them. Ask him what you could pray about with them. Perhaps you haven't seen him in church for a long time. And perhaps, I don't know, they may not, not even come back to church, but maybe they need a prayer. Maybe they need someone to, to, to reach out to them. I don't know. But there's always something that we can do and that always something that we should be doing, church. It's not confined to just these four walls. Praise God. Jesus was always moving. He was always doing the work of God. See, as we follow the Lord, he'll lead us to where he wants us to be. But we have to constantly move forward. We have to continue to grow. We have to continue to fight. We have to continue to follow. We have to continue to lead. We have to continue to go where he's called us to go. We were on a journey. As these kings were, were, were ready to make war and they were on their way, they were in a journey. And it is in that journey where they came into this time of testing. So here they were. A seven-day circuit, and they ran out of water. Now, in our text, 2 Kings 3, 9, 
So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit of seven days' journey. And there was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. Perhaps you're in a place in your life and you feel that the water's run out or, or the resources have run out, and you're starting to wonder what is going to happen. And these kings were in the same exact place. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. They thought that their story was done. How many of you have ever felt like, I'm done? Man, my story's done. I, there's, there's no, I'm at a dead end. There's no place for me to go. You know, how, how many of us have ever felt like that? I know we all have. They were saying, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, listen to this. Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? See, they were in a dire place. They were in a place of question. They were in a place of wondering where uh, the resources were, were going to come from, what God was doing. They, they had it in their mind that they were going to go out and make war, and perhaps they had everything planned out. But how many know sometimes things don't always go to plan? Can you say amen? It doesn't always go to plan. It doesn't always go with how you envisioned it, how we envisioned it sometimes. And they were in a dire place. And what was their choice? Sink or swim. They were going to die there, or they were going to look up to their provider, to the Lord who called them. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Praise God, this king Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Church, when we're down and out, when we're struggling, when we're, we have all these questions in our life, let us ask that question. Lord, let me seek you, God. Let me seek your word, Father God. Let me seek you for direction. Let me not rely on my own self or my own abilities, God, because with myself I will fail, but God, with your strength, we can do it. They, they had to look up. Believer, brother and sister, we have to always look up. No matter where you're at, no matter how tough it looks, you have to look up. That should be our spiritual reflex when things are, whatever time of the day it is, whether things are going great or they're not, we have to always look up. When things are great, we have to thank God for what he's doing. Or when things are dire, we have to look up to him. He's always our help, no matter what or no matter when. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he, while he is near. Perhaps you're believing for healing this morning. You're believing God for deliverance or for breakthrough, or you're believing God for the salvation of your loved ones, or, or you're in a situation perhaps at, at your job or at work, and, and you're worried about it. Seek the Lord, and he will answer. Seek the Lord while he may be found. That is God's word for you this morning, God's encouragement. Seek him for your situation you will not be disappointed. There's so much that's surrounded, uh, that, that is packed into this passage that we can pull from. The first thing is that we have to watch the people that we surround ourselves, uh, surround ourselves with. Now look at, look at verse 11, as we read. Uh, but Jehoshaphat said, is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire the Lord by him? So he threw out that question. He knew that God would, could help him, but he didn't know exactly who to turn to or where to go. He knew that God was the answer and praised God for that, but he needed some more uh, specific direction for his life. Now listen to this. And again, we much, must watch the people that we surround ourselves with, okay? And in that text right there in verse 11, it says, And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, 
Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And this servant wasn't even given a name right here. He was given no recognition other than one of the king of Israel's servants. But this servant, let us not overlook this, this servant knew what was up. He knew what was what. He knew where to go. He knew who to call. He heard about Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. We have to be careful who we, are, we surround ourselves with. When we're going through struggles in our life, let people be around you that will constantly direct you to the right place. First of all, direct you up to pray about your situation, to seek God for your situation, or if you need godly counsel to seek you, maybe direct you to a, a pastor or, or to a leader or someone that can help you get through that situation. Not to this person or that person or this person who's just, who's just gonna tickle your ears or tell you what you wanna hear but someone that will tell you what you need to hear in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. All we know about this person, it was, it was just a servant. And isn't that what we are, church? We're servants in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We're called to serve. We're called to serve others. And if anyone ever comes to you and needs help or encouragement, if you have God's word, encourage them, but always lead them to Christ. Always lead them to the Lord to look up because we can't provide for people, right? God uses what we have to provide, but ultimately it comes from him and one of the king of Israel's servants. He brought that direction. Yes, a servant brought that direction to the kings because he knew about Elisha. He gave him the best advice. And as we look at this, through this advice, he saved their lives, really. He gave them the advice that they needed. He gave them the, the direction. There's someone named Elisha, he's a prophet. They were saved and they were ultimately led to victory. He was a servant. See, the servant knew where to look. Those that are around us, let it be people of faith that will direct us towards Christ. People that will sharpen us. And again, not tell us always what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Are those people around you directing you to God or to the other direction? For your sickness, are they, they trying to uh, play doctor and maybe uh, prescribe a new type of medication that they heard about? Or, or why don't you listen to this talk show uh, personality? They have all the good answers. Or, or this new self-help book, why don't you read that? That'll help you. Are they, are they directing you to the lover of your souls, Jesus Christ? Are they directing you to the great physician, Jesus Christ? Are they directing you to the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, Jesus Christ? Because he's the one that's going to help us. He's the one that's going to deliver us. He's the one that's going to strengthen us. He's the one that's going to get us through. And he's the one that's going to give us victory. It's all in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. It's all in Jesus. He's the one that's going to help us. Now, secondly, as we look in this passage, we can't underestimate from where or in what form our answer may come. Now, these kings remember the prophet Elijah, but Elijah was no longer around. Elijah was now with the Lord. So they were wondering, who else could it be? They may have thought it would have been this renowned prophet Elijah that they heard about. They did all these miracles and all these, all these things. They knew about Elijah, and he was the one they thought that, that they should go to. But don't underestimate where your answer may come from. 
Now we look in our text, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king's servants answered and said, Elisha, now listen to this, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who used to pour water on the hands of Elisha. There is one here who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. He was a servant. He was Elijah's servant. Elisha was Elijah's servant. See, they may have thought he was... You know, he was the, the, the main one, Elijah. If, if he's not there, oh, well, maybe we're just out of luck. But, but this, this servant said there is a servant who used to serve Elijah. See, God is always working, and while he's working in and through the life of the prophet of God, he's also working to prepare the new prophet. He's, also, he's always working to prepare the next generation, but he, it comes through service. Praise God. It's tied into the service that we involve ourselves in. See, God's placed, you, placed leaders above you, wherever you're at. Perhaps it's, it's at your job, it's here in ministry. God's placed us under leadership. And what we do with that time will make all the difference. See, God is always looking forward. He's always looking. He's, he's looking at generations. He's looking at, at what's to come. He's looking at right now, but he's always looking at what's to come. And where do we involve ourselves in? If we're blessed to serve under leadership, Learn from leadership. Serve under leadership. God is doing something powerful. He's not only blessing your leaders through your life and through the condition of your heart as a servant's heart, but he's preparing you for what he has for you next. See, Elisha, pouring, pouring, hands on, on, on Eli, uh, pouring water on Elijah's hands, he was serving him. He was there with them day in and day out. He was learning from him. He was seeing all these miracles that Elijah was doing. He was learning. He was serving. And it's so profound, church, as we, as we take on that attitude of a servant's heart. What blessings and anointings transpire as we do that. As we come under headship, as we come under leadership, and, and we just, we have a heart to serve. And I, I believe, again, I was talking about the summit that we just got over. It was so amazing why it's because there's hearts of people that have servants' hearts that are just there to serve and to help. What do you need done? What can I get done? How can I help? What can I do? There's spiritual anointing that is involved in that when we will serve. Who are you serving? Who are you learning from? Because we're all human. There's going to be a time when each and every one of us aren't around anymore, but who are you teaching who are you trying to pass down what you know, passing it down to the next person? And servant, who are you learning from? See, Elisha, God used him powerfully in this passage here. Why? Because he was a servant. And maybe he didn't see it years and years ago when he was, when he was serving the prophet Elijah. But God knew that this day would come. And because he was a servant, other people saw it. And when the time was right, when Elijah was, was not there anymore, they called upon him. Because I remember Elijah, but you know what? There was a servant who was right there next to him. He must know something. He must believe in something. He must have, he must have some anointing because he was a servant to the man of God. And here we see that transpired in this passage. So we have to prepare for the rain. So that was the instruction that Elisha gave these kings. And as we look at our text again in verse 16, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of trenches. We have to prepare for the rain, 
church. If we're in dire straits, if we're believing God for a miracle, if we've been asking God for a miracle, we have to prepare for it. I understand there is a time and place of patience in waiting, but I believe that in our waiting, we have to be confident that we have to prepare for what God's going to do. It's an act of faith. See, we could easily just sit on, rest on our laurels, sit on our chairs, and just wait. Okay, God, I'm here. I'm waiting for the miracle. But there's one aspect of that. There's one aspect of waiting, but there's another aspect of preparing for the rain. God, I've been praying for this thing for you, but Lord, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to make room in my life for this miracle. God, I'm going to prepare because I believe and I know that you're going to do it. So we have to prepare for it. Let me give you an example. And I was sharing this with, with uh, some of the brothers at our, at our, at our summit. Um, and I look back in my life and how God has prepared me. And, I, and he's not done. And he's, he's, he's working in all of our lives. But even to come up here and, and, and to be uh, such a blessing to minister to the word of God to you. And I look out and I see, I see the, the number of people. But you know, as I think back years and years and years ago, uh, there was a time when I was a ranger commander for, for the, youngest, um, the youngest age kids, the, the funny kids. You know, you're there in Rangers, Boys for Christ. It's our, it's our Royal Ranger ministry, which is a great ministry. But there was a time when, when I was blessed to minister to them, and maybe there was 10 or 12 kids right there all sitting, you know, um, just sitting on the floor. And I had, you know, when, when today we do 30 or 40-minute sermons, it was like a five-minute sermon or so because you couldn't do more than that because they wouldn't pay attention, right? They wanted to go on the next thing. They wanted to know what was for snacks, and they wanted to go on play or, or do whatever it was they had to do. But there was a time there where I was blessed to, to minister for maybe five minutes, out of the word of God to them. And it was like a little church. We had our song service. We had a time of, of, of devotion. We had an offering. We had a time for them to give. It was a small church right there. And it was a time of preparation. And I'll tell you, public speaking early on for me was, was difficult. You get nervous. You know, you get sweaty palms. And you would just, you would, it would man, I couldn't wait till this was over. But God knew, God prepared me in the small things. He prepared me, and he's preparing you. Look at your ministry, look at where you're serving. Or perhaps you're at your job there and you're believing God for, for a breakthrough or for a new position. I encourage you, serve with your whole heart wherever you're at, under your supervisor, under your boss. Have a great attitude. See what else it is that you can do. Be a blessing to them because God's preparing you for the next chapter in your life. Prepare for your gifting. You're, you're believing God for a breakthrough, a new position at your job? Why don't you start learning about it? Why don't you start coming under that person and learning from them and, and helping them? Prepare for the rain. Again, it's one thing to pray about it and we have faith and there's a place for that, but get involved. God, what can I do? And again, the miracle is going to come from you, but what can I do to prepare for this miracle that you're going to do? See, it's because with that, we're acting out in faith. Perhaps the salvation of your kids. Continue to plant those seeds. Continue to love on them. Continue to invite them to church. Even if you know the answer, oh, they're not going to come. Continue to invite them to church because it just takes that one time for them to say, yes, I'll go with you, Mom. I'll go with you, Dad. 
Perhaps you're believing God for that new position. Well, well, fill out the application. You've been praying for it? Fill out the application. It's all in God's hands, right? But we have to prepare for, for rain. Perhaps you're, you're looking maybe at uh, new steps or ventures in a particular field. Uh, sign up to take that test. Begin studying for that test or that exam or whatever is involved for that next step. May, how about this? Make that phone call. Perhaps it's an area of forgiveness in your life with, with, with mending relationships. Perhaps it's just a simple phone call. Oh, well, they're not going to pick up my call no matter what. Just make the call. You never know. Prepare for the rain. Those that, those that expect God's blessings must prepare room for those blessings. I'll say that one more time. Those that expect God's blessings must prepare room for those blessings. So in our text, as we started off, the Lord told them to dig the trenches. They could have said, what are you talking about? There's, there's, there's no sign of rain. It's not the time of year where, where rain comes in this, in this area that, that we're in. What are you talking about? See, sometimes God's direction for us, it's all, it's all going to take faith. Your brain's not even going to understand why God's telling you to do this. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But he's saying, dig the trenches. Don't worry about where the rain's going to come from. God's saying, that's my problem. I'll worry about that. You have to be obedient and dig the trenches. Prepare for the rain. Prepare for the rain. Perhaps, I wonder if they didn't dig those trenches, if the rain would have come at all. Or perhaps it would have come and, and it would have just been absorbed back into the ground and, and they, they would have lost the chance to, to get the rain and, and to, to capture the water because they weren't obedient. But I think, it was the, I think it was the former. I think if they didn't obey and they didn't dig those trenches, I, I wonder if the rain would have come at all because they were disobedient. But through faith, they dug the trenches. Through faith, they prepared for the rain. See, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, and with, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Dig those trenches in your life, brother and sister. You've been believing God for miracles. Take that step, whatever you can do, because ultimately, again, the miracle's gonna come from God. God, God handles the hearts of people. He could work situations out. He, he orchestrates in the realm of situations and circumstances, things that are out of our control. But if there's something within your power to be able to do to prepare for the rain, then do it as an act of faith. So we have to activate our faith. We have faith, but we have to activate it. My young daughter a few years back uh, taught me how to make slime. Remember slime? Slime was the big hit, and I don't know if kids are still doing that so much these days, but, but slime, let's make slime. And they would, they would put these things in, and they would color it this way and that way. And there are the certain elements of, of ingredients that you needed to make slime, right? One of them was glue and, 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 and shaving cream, right? And you would mix all these things together. But there was something when you were making this, it was called an activator. And if you didn't add this ingredient, right, Maddie? If you didn't add this ingredient, uh, it, wouldn't become, it wouldn't become the finished product. See, it was an activator. It was that one ingredient that you needed to make it, to make it right. And see, in our faith sometimes, I believe that there has to be that activator, right? We hear the word of God. We receive the word of God. 
But we have to dig the trench. It's, that's your activator. It's like, God, I know that you're going to do this, Lord. So, so God, I'm preparing for the rain. I, I, know, it's, I know it's coming, God, so I'm going to dig this trench. I'm going I'm to take this step in my life. Maybe, again, it's that phone call, or I'm going to sign up for that test, or I'm going I'm to take this step in, in, in doing this because, God, I know that you're going to do it. Take that step. It's the activator. Now, we look at a powerful scripture here in John chapter 5, verse 8. And this is here where Jesus healed the man that, was, that, that wasn't able to walk. And it says, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Jesus says, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately, the man became well, and he picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now, it was, it was the Sabbath on that day. So Jesus' word came to him, right? Jesus' word came to him. He said, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. He could have responded and said, Lord, don't you know that I've been here for 30 years? Don't you know there are so many other people that are more qualified for this miracle than me? Do you know me? Do you know my doubt? Do you know my heart? God, don't you know all my, my, my shortcomings and my failures? But Jesus, it didn't matter to him. He wanted to heal this man. So Jesus says, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. And immediately the man became well. And then what did he do? He picked up his pallet and began to walk. Must have been the hardest thing for him to do because for 30 years, he couldn't walk. But he had to take God's word. See, that was the promise that came to him. And what was he going to do with that? Was he just going to let it, thank you God for it, and just stay there in his place? No, God called him onto a journey. God, God called him to move. So he had to receive the word of God and he had to pick up his pallet, and he had to begin walking. See, this morning we're receiving the word of God, words of faith, words of possibility, but what are you going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to stand up and walk? Are we going to take that miracle? Are we going to begin acting on it? Are we going to begin changing the, 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 uh, our prayer life, perhaps, where, where it's always, God, God, help me, Lord. I'm, I'm waiting on your miracle. I'm waiting on your miracle, rather than saying, Lord, I thank you for the miracle, God. I thank you for healing me, God. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for delivering me, God. I, I'm, I'm thankful for you providing for my needs, Lord. Thanking him as though it's already done. That is faith, church. Dig those trenches. See, this man was already healed at the receiving of Jesus' word, but he had to pick up his pallet and walk. So I know you're receiving God's word this morning. What are we going to do with it? Because in Jesus' name, you're already delivered. If you receive it in Jesus' name, you're delivered from that thing. Perhaps you've been wrestling for this thing for, for 20, 10, 20, 30 years. You've been wrestling with this area in your life. In Jesus' name, you're delivered. You're healed. It happened. It not only happened today, it happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for you. When he was beaten for, 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 uh, when he was beaten for your healing, by his stripes we are healed. He did it. But you have to pick up your palate and walk. It's a new way of life now. And I know we have to learn some new things like, like, man, how to live sober, right? There's a way that you can live sober and Jesus will teach you. The word of God will teach you. Continue to come to church, but receive that healing. Receive that deliverance. It's a possibility for you. It's there for you, but you just have to walk in it. Thank you, Jesus. The miracle is coming. And God goes uh, so on and so far to say that this miracle that he did as the, as, as the rain came and the, and the trenches were dug and the trenches were filled with water, the Lord said, but this is a light thing in the sight of the Lord as our worship team makes their way up. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. It's not a big deal to him. 
God, well, don't you know I've been like this again for, for all these years? God said, it's not a big deal to me. I've delivered you. I could deliver you. I can do it, but you just have to trust in me. You have to prepare for the rain. Thank you, Jesus. And as we look at this story, there's so much here. And how it ends. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 20, the next day at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. See, they didn't see rain uh, in the sky. They didn't see clouds. They didn't feel rain. But it says all of a sudden, water appeared. See, sometimes you're going to see your miracles starting to come, right? Things, you're going to start to see situations happening like, wow, it's coming to pass. See, and there are times that that will happen, but there are times when you're not going to see where it's going to come from, but it's just going to hit you. That miracle's going to come. Your healing's going to come. That provision is going to come. Those finances are going to come. Why? Because you believed and you prepared for the rain. Water suddenly appeared. Suddenly, like that, in the blink of an eye, it appeared. Your healing will appear that quick. Your deliverance will appear that quick. So their prayer was, God, just give us some water. We just don't want to, we don't want to thirst to death. We, don't, we just don't want to die out here, God. Just give us some water. That was their prayer. But how many know God goes above and beyond? Can you say Amen. Man, God goes above and beyond. When you're praying about this, this one thing, God gives you 10, 100 things. When you're praying about this one situation, God resolves so many other situations that are related to that. God is in the above and beyond business. Meanwhile, when the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them, they mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword, and they stationed themselves along the border. But when they got up the next morning, listen to this. The sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites like blood. It's blood, the Moabites ex exclaimed. The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. Let's go, men of Moab, and collect the plunder. See, the enemies of God here, were, they thought that they had victory, so they went out against Israel. But when the Moabites arrived at the Israelite camp, the army of Israel rushed out and attacked them until they turned and ran. The army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. They destroyed the towns, covered their good land with stones, stopped up all the springs, and cut down all the good trees. Finally, only, only in Kerharish and its stone walls were left, but the men with slings surrounded and attacked it. See, they were given victory. They prayed, Lord, just, just give us some water. We don't want to die of thirst out here, God. God said, yeah, this is just but a minor thing. I'll do it, and then some. And as I close, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. In Jesus, thank you, Jesus. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly. Perhaps you're just praying, God, deliver me from, God, if you could deliver me from this one thing, Lord, I'll serve you. But God will do that, and then some. What does the Bible say? He came to give life, and what? Life more abundantly. He answers our prayers, and then some. 
He takes pleasure in, 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 in performing miracles for you and I, but it takes faith. Will you have faith this morning? Will you dig those trenches in your life to prepare for the rain? And set this goal for your life this week, this week that you're gonna do something that's gonna help activate that faith in your life because you believe it's already on its way. But by faith, let's prepare for that miracle because it's coming. In Jesus' name, it's coming. But Lord, let me prepare my life for it. God, let me prepare because we know it's coming. You received that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise in this place. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your victory, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, oh God. Thank you for salvation, Father God. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.